Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF public media's show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sussingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7 or online at WUSFnews.org. This week on Florida Matters, Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico a year ago this month, and we're hearing the stories of people who fled to the Tampa area when they had to evacuate. Coming up, a conversation with WUSF reporter Roberto Roldan. Support for Florida Matters More comes from the National Foundation for Transplants. Right now, hundreds of Tampa residents need an organ transplant they cannot afford. Join National Foundation for Transplants, an organization providing financial relief to transplant patients for more than 35 years. Visit transplants.org to learn more. Hi, Roberto Roldan. Hi, Robin. Thanks for being here. Thank you. You recorded your conversations with several people who had come to Tampa from Puerto Rico because of the hurricane last year. Yeah. What got you interested in this? So I had done uh, actually a bunch of reporting um, speaking to people who were in the Transitional Sheltering Assistance Program, uh, which was the FEMA program that actually ended on September 14th after 11 months. Um, And it was basically the FEMA program that took um, people who were displaced by Hurricane Maria um, and put them up basically in motels or hotels and paid for them um, to stay there rent-free while they did things like look for work or look for, um, you know, a more permanent housing situation. So that got you started on the topic. You just heard that FEMA was ending. There was kind of an uproar about that, if I remember, because the feeling was, well, now what? These people are still, they can't go home yet. They're still, you know, they're still living in a motel Um, when you take that assistance away, what are they going to do next? And what did they do? Yeah, so it was actually a bit more than an uproar, actually. It was a lawsuit. So there was a lawsuit that was filed against um, FEMA and uh, basically the government um, saying that they weren't giving uh, as much time to these Hurricane Maria um, survivors, um, people displaced by Hurricane Maria, as they did to other Category 5, you know, big uh, natural disasters like Hurricane Katrina. Um, You know, one of the sort of things that they always come back to is that hurricane, when it came to Hurricane Katrina, um, the U.S. government actually gave rent-free assistance for more than two years, um, whereas they were trying to end um, the transitional sheltering assistance program for survivors of Hurricane Maria after about 10 months. So Um, who brought that lawsuit? It was just a group of sort of advocates Mm -hmm. um, who had gone out and, and picked people who were in that program. Um, and then brought a lawsuit on behalf of, you know, all of the, the people who are part of that program. I think at the time of the lawsuit, it was about 7,000 people uh, across the U.S. So we were looking into that, and mostly I was doing some stories and some reporting looking at, you know, why 10 months later are people uh, still in these temporary housing situations? Um, what are the barriers um, to getting into a, a more stable situation? And essentially... In July, 
Hillsborough County gave a $300,000 emergency solutions grant, um, which is a grant that comes from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. They gave that money to Catholic charities to use for uh, rehousing people who had either left the FEMA program or who were going to be forced to leave um, when the program expired. Mm-hmm. So it was Hillsborough County money that allowed them to rehouse yeah. these people. Yeah, so basically um, HUD actually gives Hillsborough County, uh, the federal government gives Hillsborough County this sort of emergency solutions grant every year. It's mostly used for rapid, what's called rapid rehousing programs. So generally people who are recently homeless um, and haven't sort of, you know, uh, become accustomed to homelessness, getting them into a new place very quickly. Um, different programs for like veterans, homeless veterans. Um, that's what this money usually goes to. Um, but the county decided that they had a good amount of money left over um, that they wanted to use specifically for helping some of these people who are going to um, basically have no other option once the FEMA program ended. So you had been reporting on this money, on the policy. It gets kind of wonky. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and you thought, let me talk to some of these people. What, what are they going through? Yeah, I, I mean, that's really it is it's, you know, we, we talked about the, the policies surrounding um, this uh, transitional sheltering assistance program, which even the name is really wonky, right? It, it kind of you lo- it makes your eyes glaze over before you can become interested. Exactly. And, and I mean, so we, we did another story where we were talking about um, the 11,000 students, um, 11,000 children who had entered the public school system here in Florida um, coming from Puerto Rico fleeing Hurricane Maria. You know, there was a lot of statistics, a lot of money, a lot of grants shifting around. So I'd actually went to Catholic Charities and talked to um, some of the people there who were in the the temporary sheltering assistance program. And I thought, why not let them tell their own story, give them some more time than just the 15 second soundbite, let them tell their own story about that transition from Puerto Rico here to Tampa and and sort of the new life that they're creating for themselves. Well, congratulations on doing that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So um, tell me, tell me who you spoke to and how did you pick these particular people to interview? Well, so a, a lot of the, the picking particular people um, had, had really come down to working with case managers and identifying people who were actually willing to share their story. So as you can imagine, um, a lot of people uh, went through uh, really terrible things, uh, both after the hurricane and during the hurricane. And, you know, a lot of these people were, for lack of a better word, homeless. They were living out of motels. These aren't really situations that people openly like to talk about um, or, or want everyone to know that they were in this situation. So really it came down to, you know, who wants to talk. We spoke with uh, Julio Ildelfonso and his mother, Maria Vasquez, and um, they were by far, I think, one of the most powerful stories of anyone that I spoke to at Catholic Charities. So Julio actually lost his brother um, after the hurricane. I think it was three days after the hurricane. His brother was working as a security guard um, and and was killed. Uh, He's still not sure kind of how that happened or the circumstances. His home was destroyed. The the homes of his neighbors was destroyed. He was sort of Tuabaja, where he was from in Puerto Rico, is actually sort of in the eye of the hurricane, um, but also a rural area with a lot of wooden homes. Um, so it was just this, you know, for lack of a better word, a perfect storm for um, destruction, really. Um, so he had lived through all of that, sort of made his way over uh, to Tampa, 
and had had some trouble. Um, he had he had found a home that was he he got in a pinch basically, and it was way more than he could afford. Um, so he he did that for as long as he could, and was going to end up homeless if not for Catholic Charities stepping in and and sort of getting him a motel room for him and his mother, and eventually getting them into um, a duplex, a more affordable housing situation. And he speaks English. Yeah, he does. He speaks pretty good English. Sometimes he sort of picks a different word than I might pick, but yeah, he uh, he he speaks English really well, and that was um, sort of part of his story too. Is that he grew up uh, for some part of his life in New York, which is uh, very very common uh, for a lot of Puerto Ricans, and then went back to the island. So he was actually talking about when I spoke with him about coordinating aid with a lot of aid workers in the military because he was one of the only people that spoke English in this sort of rural area where he lived. I find that interesting when you talked about that he got into a house in a pinch. I mean, he, you know, he took the first maybe house he could find, Yeah. ended up, he couldn't afford it um, because you're also working on a housing series, a series about housing, because, and it's all ties together. Affordable housing in Florida is becoming more difficult to, to find as housing prices, you know, housing values go up, which is a good thing, but affordable housing, cheap housing becoming harder to find. And and this was a big, big difficulty for the people trying to place these evacuees. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the stories that I'm actually working on for this uh, housing series uh, had me talking to the Tampa Housing Authority, which basically administers sort of s- Section 8 vouchers to people to, to you know, get rent-free assistance or owns and operates the public housing that you see um, throughout Hillsborough like County. Subsidized housing. Subsidized housing, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, right now, the wait time to get into uh, any sort of subsidized housing is on average four years. Mm, Um, Wow. And, you know, when I was speaking with uh, some of these people, some of the representatives from Tampa Housing Authority, they said, you know, that doesn't change just because there was a natural disaster in Puerto Rico. But they They, couldn't help these people. No. They had nothing for them. They basically told, uh, had to tell these families, what they tell every other family, which is we don't do uh, emergency housing. If you want to get onto a wait list, it's likely that you're going to wait four years. You have to go to, you can go to Salvation Army or go to a shelter or live with some relatives um, and wait. Yeah. And that's, that's basically what the situation is for a lot of people in Tampa now. And uh, that, that didn't change uh, just because a hurricane Mm -hmm. hit Puerto Rico. So Catholic the, the Catholic organization, what's it called? Uh, Catholic Charities. So Catholic Charities found this out really quickly when they tried to place these people and and found that the big obstacle was finding somewhere cheap enough that they could afford. Yeah, and, and they're kind of in a better um, position. You know, a lot of these places like Salvation Army, Catholic Charities, Metropolitan Ministries, they have uh, coordinators who you know, they know where the affordable private housing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they have helped people get into um, some of these areas, you know, probably traditionally low income areas, but find housing that is private and affordable to them. But, you know, even, even they were struggling with uh, identifying affordable housing um, because... Well, they didn't you know, come here with their jobs. They left their jobs and every, you know, their income stream and everything else back in Puerto Rico. So that yep. was something I thought was really interesting also about Catholic Charities that they saw, okay, there's nothing they can really afford, so let's find them another job. And they held a job fair. And I think she said 98% of them found found more uh, another job, more income, and then were able to afford housing. Yeah, so they, that was... 
they, they really identified the shortfalls of uh, some of these FEMA programs. So really the transitional sheltering assistance program from FEMA it just gives you temporary shelter. You know, they don't really provide you with anything else. So the Catholic Charity sort of saw this and started filling those gaps. Rather than just helping people temporarily, they were giving uh, people grants, basically. They were giving people money to uh, put a down payment on an apartment, uh, which was a big barrier to entry for people who could maybe afford the monthly rent, but not all the deposits that would be necessary. So they were helping them find jobs. They were helping them basically do housing counseling so that once they found a permanent housing situation, um, they weren't going to lose it. So they were really helping, whereas FEMA was helping people sort of in the moment um, with their immediate needs for housing, they were really trying to get people into situations that were more longer term stability. Let's hear from Julio for a second, because you said that they put him in a neighborhood that maybe people in Tampa wouldn't consider desirable, but he was thrilled. And if this is the worst part of Tampa, hey, I don't, I don't want to see how it's the good part. Cause, hey, if this is the worst, how how could be the good part? You know, they they must be walking on air and, and flying with the little wings or something like that. Because, you know, I haven't heard no gunfights. I haven't heard no fighting. I haven't heard no screaming. I haven't heard no kids. We don't even hear the next door neighbor's dog barking. That's how good the thing the place is. Sounds like he's got a lot of personality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and he's talking about, in that clip, he's talking about, uh, you know, some of the areas surrounding Nebraska, the University of South Florida, which aren't necessarily the best areas. But, I mean, when your other option is basically not having a home, anything works. And that's that was really, talking to Julio, that was really his, that's a big part of the way that he uh, sees his story and his transition here is that, He's one of the the people who's like, I, I'll take any help I can get. And he also wants to help anybody else, even in whatever small ways that, that he can help people. I remember talking with his case manager, um, and she was telling me he's a chef by training. And even when they were in the motel um, living out of you know a single bedroom with his mother and his brother, he was hosting cookouts, basically, for other people around him and cooking for some of the other displaced Puerto Rican families in the motels. So he's one of those people that he, he'll he embrace whatever help he can get. And he really saw the housing um, that Catholic Charities set him up with as being way better than an alternative situation. Let me ask you something personal. Where did your Spanish name come from? Do you have Puerto, is Puerto Rican in your background? Yeah, absolutely. So my, one of the reasons why I also really thought that this story was important is because personally, I have family that had to leave Puerto Rico following the hurricane. My family is from, from Puerto Rico, from Aguadilla and the Arecibo area. Um, And, and one of my aunts uh, left and came here with my two cousins. And I actually had a cousin who is in the National Guard in Puerto Rico and wasn't allowed to leave um, because he had to deliver, help deliver aid to people who were stuck there. So yeah, I, I, I think I had a, a kind of personal connection, but I think that also helped um, in, in hearing these stories and, and talking with people is that, you know, one of the things that you always try to do as a reporter is to, to really try to identify with people and their situation and, and try to make them as comfortable as possible. And I think being able to say, 
you know, in whatever small way, I do understand the situation sure, your that cousins you're in. Just we're in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that made people a bit more comfortable um, in, in really exploring some of these traumatic events that happened to them. I'll tell you, I was surprised talking to Melissa, who's in charge of the program for Catholic Charities, that mm-hmm. everybody's gone back pretty much. I mean, they're down to really a handful of families now that they're still, of course, it has been a year. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was great to hear, especially everybody from, I hadn't thought about this, but everybody from the urban areas, from San Juan or the big cities, all those homes got fixed a lot sooner so they were able to go Mm -hmm. back but the people out in the very rural areas very remote areas where they haven't been able to get into or for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um are not repairing those villages um they're still here yeah and i think you know now that you mention it that is was sort of surprising is you heard a lot in the news about all of the people who are coming to florida um and the east coast following the hurricane but um, you know, talking with Melissa and some of these other um, charity groups that have been helping them, a lot of people have gone back, um, uh, like you said, particularly to, to urban areas um, where people got the assistance that they needed to fix their homes. Um, you know, talking with Julio um, and hearing his story, you know, he uh, talked a lot um, when we were sort of finishing up. He was talking a lot about um, paying attention to the people in the rural areas because those are the people who it's been more difficult to get assistance to, and and it's been more difficult to get material and building supplies up there. There are people who still don't have homes. Um, And and I did find that really shocking was you don't really stop to think about the geographic logistics in Puerto Rico, but really these rural remote areas um, really haven't been able to get the assistance that they needed, or or it's just taken a long time, um, just simply by the fact that they're so difficult to get to. That is Roberto Roldan. Thanks for joining us, Roberto. Thank you, Robin. And thank you. Listen to Florida Matters on the radio Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. I'm Robin Sussingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher.